Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speech Check. I'm Sam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 22. And today we're going to talk about Crusader Kings 3, the Gamescom event, and stick around to the end to hear your comments on the question from last episode. Also, congratulations to Mr. Coffee, who won the transition competition yet again. And we will be reading out his question at the end of this episode. But before we talk about any of that, Matt, what have you been playing? Well... I've been playing a bit of a, a bit of a mixture the last couple of weeks. So for my birthday, not the one just gone, but the one before, a friend bought me Resident Evil 7. I played the demo previously, but I didn't really... Like, I appreciated it as a good game, but I wasn't on board with buying it. And he got it for me. I jumped into it and I completely misjudged it because the, the demo puts a focus on the kind of the first person aspect of it that felt... It felt kind of like a ported VR game in a weird way. I don't know if that makes sense, but there's a lot in the intro. There's a lot of like things getting up in your face and screaming and you doing gross stuff and like gross stuff happening to you. And it's, I don't know, it seemed like it was going to go down the route of being like a boo scary, scary first person walk around game. And that kind of switched yeah. me off a little bit. So I just, I kind of didn't bother picking it up, but I could not have been more wrong. It's so good. It's like classic Resi updated. I can see why everyone said they've truly revitalized the Resident Evil formula because it does feel like classic Resi with the keys and the puzzle hunting and, and all this kind of stuff going on. But the combat's also really good. It's a bit of a shame that you fight the molded, which are just like goop monsters. So yeah, the enemy's design sucks. Yeah, it's, it's not very inspired, but it does the job to almost highlight the family and each section having its own feel. It's been absolutely awesome, and I, I'm looking forward to like getting into it properly and getting my head right in and completing it, really. It's, it's just so much fun. It's a good adaptation, I think, just from something that's on the surface, just a simple camera perspective switch. A fixed camera or an over-the-shoulder camera has been what Resi is. So to change it up and to adapt to that, well, I think they did a really good job. They did, yeah, and they, and they play on the first-person elements well and use it interestingly says you know my, my little tiny review for a game that's like what six years old now resident evil 7 yeah. really good i i would concur i also picked up fall guys uh, my mate grabbed it after the episode that we put out and that kind of encouraged me to get it and i was kind of bang on with what i said in the the overview of it where with friends it's really fun but then when you play solo it's quite boring it just doesn't really have that hook to keep you playing i guess because a, a lot of the game is quite random and there's a lot of chaos which is fun in multiplayer but when you're trying to win alone i just found it kind of frustrating i don't know it's like you don't you haven't really got anything to rely on because you just fall over sometimes or someone else's jump will just knock you right on your ass out of nowhere so I, i'm just like meh i don't i don't really have an interest in playing it by myself but yeah with friends it's a lot of fun and it's only like 15 quid and last thing i've been playing a bit bit of left field out of left field, let's say. Unfortunate Spacemen, which is um, from New Blood, who did Dusk, Aeon Fury, and there's another game that I'm forgetting right now, but I've kind of like classic FPSs, so they're inspired by like 90s style shooting, and they're really tight, really fun experiences. And this game has me in, in two minds, like split right down the middle, because it's it should be fun, but it's so unpolished, it's not unplayable, but it's like a it's like playing a beta or something and it is free right now so I, I didn't lose anything by jumping in but it's always a little bit 
saddening to see something that has so much potential. I don't know. I mean, New Blood are probably going to develop it, and I hope that they make it what it could be. It's kind of like Starship Troopers meets the thing. So you, you have like an AI director that's spawning these spider-like aliens everywhere, and you and your crew have to do these objectives on, a, on an alien base. And all the time, one of the players you're with, who's on your team, has been infected or is a shape-changing alien who's trying to stop you from doing all this stuff. And that's a cool setup, but it just doesn't stand up right now. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how that develops. I'll be keeping my eyeballs closely pinned to that one. But yeah, that's... that's... Have they said... Sorry, have they said that if it's, like, in partial development, or it's done and that's all that's going to happen with it, or...? I think it's an early access. Well, all I saw, to be honest, was free download New Blood, and I was like, sign me up, I'm there. Fair. Yeah, what have, what have you been playing, Sam? Uh, well, I might bore you a little bit because I'm going to go back to Red Dead. Oh, that game. It's a marathon. It is indeed. Uh, there is a lot to do in it. But I finally finished the game fully, including the epilogue that's split into two parts. Nice. That, that should, if you don't know a lot about the games at length, that should tell you enough right there. So the epilogue is in two parts. Normally the epilogue is what a mission or a cutscene. Mm. But yeah, upon completing it, I would say it pretty easily ranks as one of the best games I've ever played from a cinematic standpoint. Wow. As well as, you know, things like the level of detail and just like the sheer amount of stuff there is to do in the world to keep you busy. Mm -hmm. I think they could have cut a few missions out of the game. I think there's over 100 missions that like encompass the full actual story. So like none of the side stuff. They could have lost 10 to 20 missions. And I, I read an interview thing that said they did actually, they had like a secondary love interest for the main character and they cut that as well so god knows how, how long the game would have been if they'd included that by contrast the og red dead i know it was on one console generation ago mm-hmm. but that only had 58 story missions and that's like enough to tell you know a well thought out story yeah it seems like they're almost bordering on padding yeah i mean you have your generally in an open world game you have like your main story thread and then you have like what gates along that mm. to certain upgrades of certain places you can't go in the world because this thing's not built or whatever towards the end of the game i was like maybe i don't know seven eighths of the way done with the story because it it gives you an update in like your progress so it tells you like oh you are 80 percent done with the story hmm. i was still like unlocking certain like abilities and things that there was like, oh now you can have dead eye like the bullet time stuff you can now you can do this and now you can do this and i was like this is still i'm still in like tutorial phase it just felt a bit odd that they were getting stuff that far into the game. Yeah. And now I'm on to all the post-game stuff, all the miscellaneous achievements, and going towards the 100%. It doesn't have an insane amount of collectibles, but there's one particular quest that requires you to get stuff from animals, and like stuff from the world, and animals are all like random spawns. Uh, so that's right. an idea. A lot of going around, saving and loading the game, and doing a game that big on an original Xbox is, well, you're sat around a lot. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Being at the mercy of RNG isn't a fun time. No. And also, I picked up a little random game that I, I usually browse. So I have Game Pass, and there's, there's a fair amount of games on there, to be fair. And some of them are like hidden gems. You get a few on there, you're like, oh, really? Like, you can get, I don't know if because games are obviously coming in out with like licensing stuff. Mm. But like, you get like the Metal Gear Solid and stuff on there, which I thought was, mm. was good. Because then that's from like an active third party of Konami. Yeah. But tangents. I picked up a game called The Tourist. It was a random, random little game. It was only like what drew me to actually that was quite small. It was only like 500 meg. So I was like, yes, it's not Cod Warzone. 
press like 800 gig. Destroy your hard drive. Yeah, I don't have, I've got to be thrifty in my room. But yeah, I looked at the, I like the look of the aesthetic and I went in for it and it's actually, it's actually pretty fun. It's like a puzzle platformer that's, I guess the best way I can describe it, it's a combination of Minecraft and Terraria. I don't know if I've played much of either, mm. but with that, with no crafting mechanics. So there's none of that in it. You can pick stuff up and give stuff to people in the world, but it's not like you haven't got to build you know, oak to make diamonds to make this. It's not that kind of... Does it go down that road? Yeah. I've only put about 45 minutes to an hour in it so far, but I, I do actually like it. It's just got a good charm about it, and it feels like feels like the devs really understood what they wanted to make. It's like not it's not trying to be this insane game that in, that swallows all your time. It's like a it's got a, a definite scope that it knows what it wants to do, and I think it does that pretty well. That's cool. And it's just nice to play a game that isn't like, hey, do you want a new skin? Do you want to buy this? You should buy this. Oh, need a lottery? Have a loot box. It's to play a game that is just start to end. This is a game and nothing more. Mm. It's it's refreshing today's thing. I, I'm getting a bit video game boomer. But, <laughs> Back yeah, in my day, nice. they all came on cartridges and it was much better. I mean, it was, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If anyone wants to play it, the tourist T O U R Y S T. Yeah, that's what I'm playing. So that's what we've been playing, but Matt now is going to tell us about the reviews. I am. I'm going to tell you about the notable releases. And first up, in fact, before I talk about Crusader Kings 3, we had a comment from Larwick that clarified something we spoke about on the last episode. So the reason that Total War Troy had so many downloads is because it was free on Epic for its first day. So that's a nice bit of clarity added to that situation because it was something we spoke about and how that might be an indicator of popularity, the high downloads. But it was just free for a day, so... Okay, people were jumping on it while they could. Fair enough. Yeah, thank you for the comment, Larwick. So Crusader Kings 3, coming to us from Paradox Development, 1st of September 2020. Paradox is well known for producing management strategy sim games, and this is... As the title might suggest, the third entry in the Crusader Kings franchise and anyone who's coming back into it from Crusader Kings 2 is going to recognize a lot of the layout, UI. There's not really really a ton to say on that because it is a feudal strategy game. So you have your big map screen, you've got diplomacy, religion, combat. It's typical for the kind of 4X games. The thing that's really interesting about this, or that I, I found interesting when I was researching it, is that they've introduced almost a role-playing element to the leaders. Because typically when you pick a leader, my main experience is with the Civilization series, they'll have certain bonuses. So they'll be like better on land or they'll get a tech early or something, or they'll yeah. like being in Tundra, I don't know, something like that. They've got like passive, passive effects to certain units, yeah. Yeah, but this has literal personality traits. So a cruel leader will be better if you start more wars, whereas a kind one will want to forge alliances. And there's a stress stat in the game that will increase if you act outside of that leader's personality. And if they become too stressed, they might start to act irrationally or maybe they'll start drinking too much. Or I found that really interesting to have that sort of personal touch to a game genre that's usually quite removed it's quite you know ten thousand foot view everything's just moving around on a map but you're very much playing the leader that you choose i can relate to a high stress meter <laughs> i think in 2020 we all can and they've also revamped the religion system again in other games of this genre you can pick a religion and maybe customize some of its back end to, to give you benefits but in this you can literally pick everything about the religion that you want 
that you could ha- start a cannibal cult that venerates women and eats babies. I don't know. You could you could do anything you want with your religion. And I, I, again, I just found that really interesting. And it's symptomatic of how much content there is in the game. And that's something I can't really stress enough. You know, I can't really stress that enough. There's like thousands of hours of content in this game because there's flexible start points. So you could begin as the Emperor of Rome trying to keep everyone happy as the the Empire falls around you and you've got to keep morale up and keep fighting barbarians. Or you can start as a clergyman in Scotland trying to spread your baby-eating cult around the the wilderness or something. You know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And there's also no victory conditions. You just play the game for as long as you have an heir. And with the heir system, you choose what genetic traits you pass down to your sons and daughters. So you could end up with a long chain of inbred maniacs and have them rule a land with an iron fist. Or you can be some of the kindest people that history has ever known and, and run it however you like. I found that quite interesting. The combat system seems as though it's a little lacking. So there's no adjacency bonuses, which is something that's common in other games. Again, I'm going to reference other games of the genre. So having, I don't know, flanking or a specific unit that buffs other units while it's within range or something like that. It seems like you just have to have a large army at a rallying point and that has to be larger than the other. And then you just play a who dies first kind of game. You can promote units within armies to be knights and they then take on kind of the character status. So they get their own traits and their own abilities and they're usually a lot stronger than the basic units. So there, there is that to play around with, but it just seems like it could probably use a bit of development. And Paradox is no stranger to development. You know, Crusader Kings 2 is still loved by fans and it's, what, 10 years old now? And they were just updating it, updating it, updating it, making it better. I'm assuming they're going to do the same with this. The downside to all of this customization and all of these options is that the game is kind of inaccessible. There's like a high skill curve. And they've tried to mitigate that somewhat with a detailed tutorial. And the UI is a lot more friendly than it was in previous entries. But it is overwhelming at first when you jump into the game and you just have so many options and you're so in control of what's going on. Well, I mean, you're both, you're both in control and out of control simultaneously, if you see what I mean. So that that's maybe a downside, but it seems as though they have just improved in every way on Crusader Kings 2 and they're taking the series in, in the direction they want to take it and it looks like a good entry. Not my cup of tea personally, but I've got some friends who absolutely love it. Would you say that they've made this maybe as an extension of 2, so... They're thinking of returning players rather than new players. So it's probably not the best jumping on point for a new player that wants to get into the series. Maybe they should go back to the first one or the second one. I actually think this is probably the best jumping on point there has been. It's just Crusader Kings that has that that skill wall at the start. You just have to get used to it. But if you can penetrate through that, then you've got so much content laid out ahead of you. It, it's worth it. That time investment becomes worth it at that point. That's okay. what I've, yeah, from, from what I was able to see. Moving swiftly along, I'm excited to talk about this one. Tony Hawk's 1 and 2, coming at us from Vicarious Visions, released the 4th of September 2020. I didn't realise, right, until I started watching the reviews, I didn't realise how much I liked Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. It's such a throwback, man. And I, I really want this, but I am just a poor boy from a poor family. I'm not going to do it. I was so tempted. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Yeah, Vicarious Visions has done an excellent job in remaking this game originally from neversoft i believe and that's no real surprise considering they were responsible for the insane trilogy which 
was handled were, well, yes. and that's good. I've not played it myself, but it seems like a very faithful recreation. And the, the one thing that really scratched my nostalgia itch was that music. When I booted up the reviews and I was watching them and you hear Gorilla Radio, I was like, oh man, it's here. And they kept all the music. They kept it when, all. Uh, when I saw the initial like reveal trailer for it, all the comments on like social media and on the YouTube video were like, yeah, but Goldfinger Superman? <laughs> it wouldn't be Tony Hawk's without it. And the fact they've put it in there and kept it in there is key. And they've also built upon it. They've added new songs that are of that genre. And you have complete control. So you can go into the options menu and you can turn on and off any songs you like. So if you just want the classic tracks, turn off the new ones. You can have your own nostalgia trip. And that passes over to the gameplay. So they've taken the gameplay from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and 4. So the the more advanced tricks are in the game, like reverts and wall kicks, I believe, were later editions. But if you want, you can go into the options and have the PS1 moveset. You can just go all the way back Play it, play it as it was intended to be played back in like 1995 or whenever the first game came out. I've got a little story, if I may. Oh, I I first played Tony Hawk One back when it was Tony Hawk Skateboarding. I was on holiday in Spain. We were staying in a hotel. You know where hotels would have game consoles like in the room. Mm. I had Tony Hawk on on a PlayStation in that, and I played that far too much and didn't really do anything else on my holiday. You went to Spain specifically to play Tony Hawk. I mean, sometimes you've got to do, you've got to do what you've got to do. But, <laughs> but. The universe spoke and you listened. So yeah, the, the other updates that Vicarious Visions have added are to the visuals, which is kind of obvious. It wouldn't be very satisfying if you were still locked in the lowest LOD fog that you've ever seen. Hmm. And they've really cranked the fidelity up to 11. Everything looks great. The animations are updated. The transitions between animations are updated. Just looks really good. It is next gen, but they've kept every map the same, including the locations of all the collectibles. So if you were a diehard Tony Hawk's Pro Skater fan, you can jump back in and use that knowledge to just whip through the maps as as quickly as you like. The way they've integrated the two games together, unlike the Insane trilogy, is to have them almost like map packs. So the skater that you pick and their skills and board and cosmetics or whatever, they're consistent across both games and you can just jump into any game and any level at any time and play it and you know get your high score get your collectibles do whatever you want to do and they've updated the pro skater one maps to include the collectibles from pro skater 2 so that everything's kind of on the level so to speak you know you're not getting that disparity of of (laughs) interaction something new they've added is over 700 challenges in the game which can be completed in either pro skater one or pro skater two you just get to you know have your pick when you're in that post game. Just sit down, check through the challenges, see what you want to do. Whilst going for that high score, it still has you know the, the score tables, and you can try and get the best score. And that leads into the multiplayer. So there's both same couch and online multiplayer, which doesn't have too many technical issues. There was talk of a little bit of frame rate stuff and maybe some some latency, but works as intended. And they've beefed up the creator park mode which i think was only added in later editions of pro skater and you can share all that online play other people's parks it's kind of like smash with the creator stage this game i think will scratch a nostalgia itch for a lot of people vicarious visions have just done a good job on it you know been faithful to the originals 
added some stuff, but it's all it's all welcome addition. So I'm I, I kind of want to pick it up. I kind of do, but oh, I don't know. I th- I think <laughs> it's worth it. I want to. There's a lot of stuff coming out that I do want to get, but like that was on my list. But then uh, the Mario collection got announced, oh. and I really want to play Mario Sunshine again. That's fair. I think Mario Sunshine's a better a better pickup. I love a bit of sunshine. So last and definitely least in this list, Marvel's Avengers coming us from Square Enix, 14th of August, 2020. So I did a little I did a little beta preview. You may have seen where I played the beta for the weekend and then gave my opinions on it. I found the game to be lackluster. I think Square Enix have kind of dropped the ball on this. They've aimed for like this destiny type games as a service, daily, weekly, questy, loot grindy, play with your mates type thing. And it's just not good enough to support the replay. So from what I'm seeing, some of the technical issues have been resolved since the beta. So the frame rate drops and the loading times have been improved. So that's good. But they, you know, they're not going to redesign the whole game. The core gameplay is still pick a hero. You have a strong attack and a light attack and a dodge and then some heroic abilities. Mash your way through waves and waves of enemies over and over and over again so you can get some loot which basically amounts to back-end changes it doesn't show up on your character model when you get new greaves or for the hulk a new spine or ribcage whatever the hell it is when you put it on it doesn't change your character model in any way and it just ups your electric damage by one percent and it's only really when you get to the very late game that you start to see true hero builds emerging where you can try and build for something but the entire game is it's just bereft of that sort of interaction and the skill tree is there and that's cool and you can get new combos and that's kind of cool but you know there's nothing we haven't seen before it just doesn't have enough in it to support that grind you know i don't really like the destiny endgame content personally because i don't like sinking hundreds of hours into a game to get resources to i just don't like being in that loop you know in, in that grind, make this new piece of armor loop. It's just not fun. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I don't want to put a blanket statement out there, but I think it can be viewed at least as like lazy game design. Yeah, and speaking of the game design, it is lazy. The, the levels are generally linear. Uh, the challenges you face aren't really that exciting and they sink as low as having defend this circle for a minute and shoot these three buttons. It's like really really basic and i don't know whether that's intentional because they want it to be this multiplayer experience or what but it just doesn't have the kahunas to hold up it seems one positive aspect is the campaign the story is quite good and it's voice acted well and you know it's a triple a game so the graphics are good the sound design's pretty good it has that level of polish to it but there's just no there's no substance and this is i wanted to save this for my last comment because microtransactions in a 60 quid game what and like 80 if you bought the digital deluxe and the first thing you see is you can get these special credits to unlock new costumes can i just like red hulk and different captain america costumes and stuff right now it is yeah it's just costumes which is okay and it isn't massively intrusive but you can tell what they're doing you know it's like uh, battlefield 2 Star Wars, sorry, Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront 2 again, where you can either play for 60 hours and earn enough credits to buy the costume or just drop 14 quid and get the super special extra normal things and 
get it immediately that they just want that they want that model but there's just not enough substance to the game my advice play ultimate alliance because it's actually pretty good and you get to do combo abilities which i've not seen any in the game as of yet like shield. way more heroes in it yeah 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 there's like at least 50 characters in that game and you can play as the evil guys as well fun run around as venom oh yes please before you before you sign off matt Ooh. i have a, a question for you hit me so this this game as a whole for me kind of rang alarm bells when they couldn't get the full license i don't know if that had the same thing for you do well, you I... think that's that's a, a big factor in it because they couldn't do that they couldn't go full way with it when i saw it at e3 i thought oh that's a weird choice to get the name and the rights to the characters but none of the actors and i don't think it would have been a huge misstep like it i get it because licensing characters is expensive and difficult yeah. so you want to avoid that cost sure big money. i mean you've got marvel's avengers you know one of the highest grossing film franchises like in human history just go balls to the wall with it do everything like you you should be trying to make this game so good because it has so much potential like it markets itself if i told you i could run around as captain america while you're the hulk and we're going to beat up robots you'd be like hell yeah i'm into that and then you jump in and it's like oh i'm just going to press x for the next three hours so that i can get a gauntlet that doesn't do anything it's 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 the gameplay in my opinion coming circling back to your question in a roundabout way it could have been better if they got the licensed actors and their voices as well I don't think it hurts it too much if it had done the groundwork with this game design. I can only agree. Yeah, that's my releases. That's, that's all for this week. Thanks, man. I'm enlightened as always. No worries, man. So, that's enough of me talking. I'm going to pass this swiftly over to Sam, who is going to stop and pop, hit and run his way through Gamescom. So, take it away, Sam. Okay, I'm about to talk for a long time because there was a lot that happened and I've documented what I think is everything from it. So I'll try not to bore you. I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can and not dwell on every single piece of information. Here we go. We'll start with the biggest thing that probably came out of it, which was a cinematic trailer for the new Call of Duty. Most people will probably know now as Black Ops Cold War. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for like the original Black Ops game like the Vietnam setting and the multiplayer in general. Not me personally. If you're wondering if Black Ops 2 was the best multiplayer in COD, come at me. Mm-hmm. You can come at me for that one. Uh, even though like the Black Ops series has evolved, or I guess you could say devolved, into something that closely resembles Titan 4 and has gone for like the futuristic thing with 3 and 4, it seems like this returns to like an older setting in this era could kind of be the twist that needs to stay relevant at least for the next 12 months and there's also a multiplayer reveal coming on september 9th so keep an eye on that world of warcraft is getting a new expansion called shadowlands which is dropping on october 27th and there was a gameplay trailer that showed that off i'm sure everyone who that's relevant to kind of already knows about it so it's a little bit redundant me saying it but it was there i'm sure if you play wow you're very excited for it genshin impact which is an action RPG that's going to be free to play. Come to PS4, PC, and mobile next month. Uh, it looks very anime. It's very bright, very colorful. It's a bit like Breath of the Wild, but kind of with exaggerated visuals. It's kind of similar to Dragon Quest or Trials of Mana in its like in its vision. Uh, it was just a trailer. 
no gameplay as of yet. We got a look at a launch title for the Xbox X that was called Haven, and it's described as a co-op adventure RPG, and they showed off 10 minutes of that, running on the console in 4K. You got a sneak peek at Fall Guys Season 2 as well, which I'm sure everyone everyone and their mums is probably going to be excited for. What was nice, I thought a nice little touch of how they did it, was one of the game designers, who I believe was named Joe, didn't reveal his last name, didn't dox him, uh, he came on, thanked everybody for all the support, all the fan art that have been sent in, and just all the positiveness that they've had so far. But season 2 is going to bring a medieval theme in stuff like skins, courses, and, and the games. So, look forward to that. There was gameplay footage from the new Ratchet & Clank, and I think it got locked in as a launch title for the PS5, which could swing the opinions of some people. Ratchet & Clank got that more kid vibe to it, so more kids might be pestering their parents for a PS5 now that they can get that. Uh, between that, the new Crash Bandicoot and that shooter Deathloop, I think it's called Deathloop, from the people that made Dishonored, Arcane Studios. Time-focused mechanics seems to be like what's on trend at the moment. Uh, but it did look very nice, and the puzzle elements seemed cool. Combat looked simple, but did its job. If you were of a cynical persuasion, you could say that games with like fancy particle effects and you know, lots of characters on screen and lots of stuff going on are put as launch titles so that the, whoever the publisher or the console dev is can like kind of flex the specs of what the console is. That was my theory for why Dead Rising 3 was a launch title for the Xbox One because mm. they could fit like a hundred million thousand zombies on screen at all in one time and the game doesn't lag. Dragon Age 4 had a behind-the-scenes trailer and showed off two characters called Bellerin and Davrin. Personally, don't know anything about Dragon Age. I know Dragon Age Inquisition is regarded as like an amazing game, but not really my bag. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga was announced as being delayed. I think that was the only delay they announced until spring of 2021. But it got announced that it will have next-gen console versions. So you're going to have it on Xbox X and PS5. I think Lego are really milking uh, the Star Wars vein of their games because you've had Lego Star Wars, Lego Star Wars 2, Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga, which was episodes 1 to 6. Lego Star Wars 3, which was the Clone Wars, and then you had Force Awakens, I think, and now you've had this. So I think they're being a little bit lazy, reusing assets. The levels are probably going to be similar. I mean, they can't change the story, so there's a little bit of a cash grab there, but fair enough. Jumping off the Star Wars stuff, Sims 4 is getting a Star Wars-themed expansion called Journey to Batu, which has locations from Galaxy's Edge, which I found it is the Star Wars section of the park in Disney. And then Star Wars news again. I've actually framed this really well. Good on me. Star Wars Squadrons, which I am super hyped for, got a campaign reveal trailer, and you saw people like Wedge Antilles and Princess Leia, if you know, if you're in with the Star Wars stuff. It seems kind of in the same vein as Battlefront 2, that it doesn't really need a campaign, but even if it just serves as like a tutorial of how to do the multiplayer, that's that's fine. Crash Bandicoot 4 showed off its flashback levels, which are more like old school Crash 1, 2, 3 in their design, and they have that like retro video camcorder filter on them and they've always got like a mario maker vibe to them in their design they're like that level of of hardness hmm. and i think the speedrunning community is going to lap this game up i think they're going to go all in on this especially with like the individual level stuff borderlands 3 getting a dlc pack called psycho craig and the fantastic fuster cluck i had to focus while i was saying that Krieg. Creek, there you go. Thank you. There you go, Matt. I knew, you know, I, as I was saying, I was like, Matt's going to correct me if I say this wrong. <laughs> I know how much he likes uh, BL3, but thank you. No worries. Uh, it seems to be a bit trippy and mental 
even for Borderlands standards. But, you know, more Borderlands is never a bad thing. Uh, and I say on September 10th. One for you, Matt. Doom Eternal is getting its first DLC drop with The Ancient Gods Part 1. They specified a Part 1. And again, kind of like Borderlands, this just looks like more Doom. And that's definitely not a bad thing. Just give me more Mick Gordon. One came out of uh, left field for me. We're getting a new Medal of Honor, which I thought was kind of a dead franchise. It's going to be called Above and Beyond, putting you, from what I can tell from the trailer, as an American soldier helping the French resistance. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a dead thing, but you know, it's alive and well. But it's in VR now, which hmm. you know, might be a red flag for some people, but it is being done by Respawn, as in Titanfall and Apex Legends Respawn. It showed off going through the trenches, skydiving, gunplay, fighting, and it actually looked pretty good. But as we all know with VR, look and feel, two very different things. Destiny 2 uh, has a new expansion that's going to be called Beyond Light, and Guardian's going to get a whole new uh, host of stasis abilities. Slow known people, freezing time, I think ice powers as well. Let's relate to that. One I'm a bit excited for as well. Little Nightmares 2 had some more gameplay shown off, which I'm very excited for. I love like the lore and just the creepy aesthetic of Little Nightmares. I think mm. it's really good. I just like the world. Um, I'm not sure if it's co-op. There's there's an additional character in this, but I don't know if it's always an AI partner or if you can do co-op. I'm not entirely sure if that was made clear. After the disaster of WWE 2K20, uh, the wrestling sim has departed away from its technical holds and restraints, the whole custom wrestling and realism stuff. And done what it did with WWE All Stars, which is a game from a few years ago. And it's like a now a goofy arcade brawler where you get like wacky versions of both past and present wrestlers. So you've got John Cena and Hulk Hogan. Um, and it's going to be called WWE 2K Battlegrounds. Wonder Boy 4 is being remade as Wonder Boy Asha in Monster World. I know very close to absolutely nothing about this game or the series in general. But from the looks of it, it's a 2.5D side-scrolling adventure, and it looks undeniably cute. Got another remake as well, Pharaoh, A New Era, which is a remake of the Pharaoh game from the 90s. I love Pharaoh. Well, there you go. Matt's going to be buying it. <laughs> Those that don't know, they're like Civ builder games, right, Matt? You build a city, then an empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just find a game that Matt's going to buy. Mm-hmm. The Fallout-esque Outer Worlds is getting DLC as well. It's going to have new characters, new location... That maybe with an S, I'm not sure. Don't know if it's plural. Uh, and weapons, and that's going to be called Perils of Gorgon. Another one for you, Matt. It's a Metroidvania. Ooh. I know how much you love it. Mm. Fist. F-I-S-T, or Forged in Shadow Torch, had a gameplay trailer. I didn't really check that one out too much. Didn't really spark my interest, but might be worth a look if you're into a Metroidvania. D&D fans are going to get a CRPG called Solasta. Crown of the Magister that uses a 5.1 rule set. And Matt, you're much more likely than me to know what that is, but you may not. Can you clarify a CRPG? Because I've not heard that acronym before. A uh, character role-playing game? Okay. It's like digital? Not tabletop. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the 5.1 rule set is good, so cool. What, while we're here, what is a 5.1 rule set? It's just it's the latest version of D&D, so the 5th okay. edition rules. Just how they handle stats and combat and all that kind of stuff. Next one is the game Aragami from 2016 is getting a sequel. Coincidentally, called Aragami 2. Sea of Thieves is getting dogs. 
and a, quote, permanent voyage, but I've never played it, so I can tell you what that is. But I like dogs. Drake Hollow is a village building game that's out right now for Xbox and PC. Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown, is getting DLC. Kiwi, spelt key as in key to unlock her lock, and we as in me and you. It's a game that's been likened to Overcooked 2, and you play as two Kiwi birds who save a post office, and it looks as adorable as it sounds. We've got a completely new IP. This is the only new IP uh, I'd seen that came out of Gamescom, and it's called Unknown 9 Awakened, that apparently has this insanely huge scope of like a story world instead of just like the normal history of the world it's a mythological version of history and from the signs of it it's going to have like external media dedicated to it but there's like in character if that makes sense interesting they, they said like i think comics podcasts and something else that i'm forgetting off the top of my head so there's a character in the game i don't know max he hosts a podcast in character as if he's you're listening to it in the game, which I think is a cool idea. It's dedication, whatever it is. A cinematic trailer for Werewolf the Apocalypse was shown off, and that is the werewolf from the tabletop game, Werewolf. I'm excited for that. I've got the I was gonna say I thought I thought that would pique you. I've got the the rule book like within arm's reach. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you mentioned that semi recently. Yeah, I I keep watching the trailers but I I just 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 release it. Give me some of that GURPS action. 8-Bit Adventures 2 had a new trailer. For those who don't know, that's, it's like a throwback love letter to classic 90s JRPGs that were rife on SNES and like early PS1. We've got our first look at Scarlet Nexus, which is a new action RPG. Uh, I think that could have been... I've not heard of that, so that could also be a new IP. I could have been lying about, about Unknown. We saw some gameplay from a game called Ghost Runner, which looks like a mix of cyberpunk's like themes... Dishonored type, semi cell shaded aesthetics and Mirror's Edge gameplay. I think there's like a, a big parkour element to it. And finally, the end of all this, you can finally hear me stop talking. There's a new roguelite, not a roguelike, called The Last Spell. And Humble, as in Humble Bundle, did a showcase, uh, like a little reel of all their, of all their games as well. Whew. That was a lot of information. Yeah, we'll link as much as we can to the big stuff and anything that comes out between us recording this and publishing it, we'll, yeah, we'll link as much as we can. But that was Gamescom in a hot minute or three. You packed that mofo into a nutshell. Good job, man. I, I was quite happy with how quickly I got through that. I wanted to give comments, but not too insane. So hopefully <laughs> I might have put some things on your radar that you weren't too uh, aware of before. And yeah. Hopefully, I'm sure someone will get something from all that coverage. I'm enlightened as always. Thank you. So that's finally me done talking. I can relax my jaw a bit. And we've got some comments from our question from the last episode, which, Matt, tell us what they are. Yeah, Larwick has gotten back to us and said, I think the free-to-play model kind of has to be standard for multiplayer games for them to be successful, especially if they're from smaller studios. Without a player base, multiplayer games just can't survive and people are less likely to spend money on a new game that they're unsure will get enough players. With a free-to-play model, you can be pretty certain people will at least give it a shot. Don't think it makes sense for single-player games, though. I think that's a pretty astute observation. Build that player base. I agree. Yeah. I think we, um, one of us, I can't remember who mentioned it, that, you know, by having free, you have no barrier to entry at all. So if you say to your friend, oh, I'm playing this game, you should play it too. They're like, oh, I can't afford it. It's like, oh, it's free. 
So there's actually no reason you shouldn't have it, which yeah. is what my friends are doing with me with Warzone at the moment. They're peer pressuring me into getting it. And I was like, I don't have to wait eight hours to download it. And I feel like I've just waited too long now. That train's left the station. Mm. But it won't stop them. They'll keep nagging me. <laughs> Moving on from the question from last episode. Sam, what's the question for this one? This episode's question is, what dead gaming franchises would we like to see revived? And we actually have a comment on this from Ben Jeffries. Thanks, Ben. He says, it's got to be time splitters for him. Uh, it's one of the most fun series from his childhood. And I would have to agree with him. Uh, I had a lot of fun with time splitters when I was a kid. I barely played the first game. The first game, from what I remember, like it was, it had a campaign mode, but it was just like almost like challenge maps. There wasn't like a story. I didn't really think there was voice acting. Very arcadey. Yeah, definitely had that. It was kind of built in that framework. But two, Time Splitters two, I played a lot of that game. And the challenges, the challenges in that game were insane. Like the deathmatch challenges of like, because that was the first game I guess I played that had bots in. And when you turn them up to like extreme, they were like, it what you were playing an aimbot. It was ridiculous. That and Nightfire were like my two big multiplayer yeah. games. And I'd like to just say, if you played Monkey, you're a dick. The same thing as playing oh, God, Odd Job yeah. in It's next level Odd Job. Night. It, it is. You know what you're doing, and you deserve the hate that comes along with that. Uh, I'd like to say that I played R107. Do I, you remember that guy? I don't. So there was robots in the game, but he was a guy who was dressed up in cardboard. <laughs> thought he was a robot. And uh, Handyman. I think everyone, if everyone remembers Honeyman, a man made completely out of hands. <laughs> uh, I didn't actually play Future Perfect, though, and everyone, a lot of people will say that is the best one. No, but I didn't play either. Science Spirit 2 was fantastic, so I'd be well up for that. I also think it'd be nice to see uh, Earthworm Jim come back on the hardware of today. Battletoads has, has made a comeback with that, like, Saturday morning cartoon vibe, and I think Earthworm Jim definitely is, like, in the same realm as that, but I, I couldn't tell you who owns the license to to Jim in the moment. I think it was more... I remember the first one. I didn't think I played the second one, but the first one was made by... Was it Acclaim? Back when they were a thing? Yes, I think you're right. I couldn't tell you when the last Earthworm Jim game was and who made it. Uh, well, I'd love to play a remaster of the Rogue Squadron games, but we're getting Star Wars Squadrons, which is that. Mm. That's going to it's gonna scratch my itch for the dogfighting games. I'm a sucker for that genre as well. I don't know what it is, but flying around the ship, doing all that stuff. That, Star Fox, loved it than that. Couldn't say why, it's just do. I'd also play another Dead Space, uh, as long as it's not Dead Space 3, or like Dead Space 3. Ooh. Yeah, Dead Space without EA, that'd be nice. Yeah, if you can make Dead Space anything similar to Dead Space like 1 and 2, do it, because that's great. And do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe be a little bit controversial and say I don't know how I'd feel about like a true GoldenEye remaster. I know there's, I think, a fan remaster has been in the news semi-recently about how to get taken down. I know they kind of tried to do it with, I think it was reloaded i was gonna say wasn't it one for the gamecube it was like they did one for 360 and they did one like 360 and ps3 but it was like kind of golden iron name only i think it was the bond was daniel craig which you know for the time made sense Mm. because because they couldn't get licensed to pierce brosnan it like wasn't people wanted to play they just wanted a remastered n64 golden eye but it wasn't that it was like a completely different game oh okay yeah like i've played golden eye in the last three years i know what it did for a multiplayer <laughs> but it does not hold up it's like an n64 controller coupled with like just the jankiness of the game i'm sure i'm i'd be burned at the stake in certain places of saying this but it's just not it's it just doesn't hold up you can't get away from it i believe sorry you. come on, Matt, what are yours hit me with your 
revivals. This this question had me on a proper nostalgia trip. So thank you to Mr. Coffee for suggesting it. Yeah, it was a really good question. So not technically a series, but Gunstar Heroes. I fucking love Gunstar Heroes. You, you do love Gunstar Heroes, I can confirm that. It's so good. I don't know why more people don't talk about it. It's so good. Like, it's inventive. You've got the different weapons that you can combine together in any way, and they all act completely differently. So you have, like, two slots and you put them together and you can have like a homing fireball or um a stream of bullets that i don't know shoot electricity or whatever it, it was so good for the time it's like Mega Man's edgy brother it's just just sweet and i don't know why more people don't talk about it one that's a bit more out there act razor the snes a snes game don't know if you've heard of it i heard of it but i know it because there's a synthwave art- synthwave artist even called act razor and oh, okay. it's nothing to do with that so yeah but yeah i've heard of it it's like a it's like a city sim and a platformer. So you play as a god and you like inject your avatar down onto earth and then they clear out areas and then you can build a city there. So you have this cloud that flies around but when you want to build a new city you've got to play through a like a platforming section where you fight monsters and both of them I I guess because of restrictions at the time to do with memory they're both kind of truncated. So I think it would be nice to see how they would fit together now that we can develop those kind of mechanics a bit more and just it was just i remember it being completely different like it was just a very different game two completely disparate sorts of game mechanics put together and in a way that i found fun dragon valor for the ps1 don't know if you've heard of that one nope i'm well out of early ps1 or ps1 in general games like completely evade me fair enough if it's not tomb raider or metal gear solid i probably haven't heard of it i was a bit of a charity shop blockbusters bargain bin diver so i would like pick up all these like crap games they were selling for 20p or something but this is not a crap game it's like an action rpg maybe kind of like golden axe in a way sort of i don't know what you like move around a map and then you just get a dungeon crawl and you know magic there's magic spells there's combos there's slime enemies you just run through this environment it was just really fun i remember having tons of fun with it and being for some reason i was absolutely blown away when i played it probably because i was young i was just like oh my God, this game is amazing. I just couldn't put it down. I did it like the time you were blown away by like a standard cheese pizza from Asda? Mate, four cheese pizza with mayonnaise. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Just did that it for me. ruined your tiny little mind. It did. It just, I, just, I could have cried. for the rest of the day. I was just in the fetal position sobbing for six hours. <laughs> my last one, uh, with Dragon Valor, sorry. I don't know if it counted in Japan, because it was called Dragon Buster in Japan, so I don't know if it's still a thing there. But yeah, I'd love to see Dragon Valor. And then Jade Cocoon and Monster Rancher. More specifically Monster Rancher, because I played that a lot more. Oh, I remember Monster Rancher, yeah. It was I shouldn't. sick. You know what, you literally just injected that back into my head, and I was like, yeah, oh, I remember that game. Yeah, make that game again. Somebody, anybody listening to this, yeah. make that game again. Whoever's listening right now, start. Start it now. Yeah, quit your job. Stop everything you're doing. I don't Go into a cabin postman. in the woods. Just learn to code, do it. So you'd have to like, the, the game was kind of like Pokemon-esque, but instead of getting the, the monsters from the environment, you got them from CDs, actual physical CDs that you would have to replace like into the PS1 with the, with the Monster Rancher disc. So you'd like put them in, a monster would come out, and because it was reading the data from the CD, it would always be the same monster. And I remember spending like hours digging through my mum's CD collection and again in charity shops, like buying cheap CDs always making sure not to get the ones with the black bottom because they didn't work with this game and I never knew why. And another throwback, 
psyops psyops never worked in that game <laughs> so developers of psyops you got a bug speak to the developers of monster Rancher, <laughs> sort that out love that one on uh on jira <laughs> yeah excuse me lads we'll sort this out yeah jay cocoon as well is it's like pokemon plus it's just more interesting and has its roots more in like standard jrpgs i guess it's a bit more involved but yeah those those are some games that oh god I, I can't explain the nostalgia fix i have when i started thinking about monster rancher like hell yeah yeah you've awakened something within me as well thank you mr coffee for that question it pleased both of us yeah and congratulations for winning again the crown king of transitions oh he's done it again he's done it again he's only he's got, done it again he's got an acute ear he has and his question for next time is what game would you play again for the first time and why so if Ooh. you could forget a game and play it from the start again what would it be and why oh that is an interesting one so that's it for this episode guys thank you so much for listening as always yep thank you for choosing to spend your time here with us and if you like what you heard subscribe of course and if you click that bell you get a little ping whenever we upload a new video and check out our one minute reviews which might give you a perspective on a game you haven't heard of or some insight into something that's being released yeah have a little look around the channel we've got our interviews that apparently do very well and 3v3 which is where matt and i pick a subject and pick our top three choices and compare and contrast and yeah we should hopefully have one of each coming in the near future and if you subscribe you'll know when that happens which is always good and and also you can follow us on both instagram and facebook which is a good way especially facebook to talk to us directly yeah interact do all that good stuff and yeah thank you for your time and you take care goodbye